Welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to feast upon the words of Jesus Christ as taught in the Holy Scriptures. We are looking this week at Doctrine and Covenants, section 81 through 83. I welcome all of you this day. It's such a joy to come into your homes and to your uh, ears through the uh, bus stations and the buses and the cars and uh, the trains and however else and the, when you're jogging around outside, however else you listen to our videos and to our podcast, we uh, welcome you this day. It's a joy to come in to teach you the word of Jesus Christ, to teach and to testify of him who we call Lord and God. He lives today. He sits at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. He died and was crucified for the sins of the world because of him. We can have joy and peace and happiness in our lives and return to live with our Heavenly Father in everlasting happiness. Of him I testify to you this day. I testify to you the prophet Joseph Smith, Jr., the mighty prophet of God, foreordained before the world began to come forward in the 19th century to restore God's true kingdom, God's true church upon the earth once more. We reverence his holy name. We teach and we testify of the things that he brought to us and that he testified of the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophets are revealers of Jesus Christ in the day and time in which they live. Joseph Smith revealed to us Jesus Christ greater than any prophet has ever done throughout the history of the world. Through the hands of the prophet Joseph Smith, we have the Book of Mormon, over 500 pages of testimony and testament concerning Jesus Christ, proving to the world that Jesus indeed was the Christ, that he was the promised Messiah, that he was crucified for the sins of the world, backing up the Bible, proving to the world that the Bible is not just an ancient book of uh, an ancient historical book, but that the Bible is also the word of God, that the two of them together testify each, each other and testify of Jesus Christ. That in itself would have been one of the greatest accomplishments in the history of the world. But God was not done with him yet. God had other great works prepared for the prophet Joseph Smith. The next step was to receive the Doctrine and Covenants, which is sections revelations directly from Jesus Christ, building up his kingdom and telling the prophet how to lead and restore his church, his true kingdom and true church upon the earth. Over 200, maybe 300 pages is his doctrine and covenants, the third testament of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, proving to the world once again that Jesus is our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior that he was died and was crucified for the sins of the world. We know that because the Doctrine and Covenants teaches that, because Jesus Christ himself is the one speaking in the Doctrine and Covenants. More so than any other book of Scripture, we hear the voice of Jesus Christ in the Doctrine and Covenants. This is not speeches that uh, Jesus that were written down 30 to 40 years later as we have in the New Testament. These are not just words of prophets receiving 
into their minds and into their hearts, revelation from the Holy Ghost of teachings to teach about, about God and Jesus Christ. The doctrine covenants, the resurrected Jesus Christ continues to speak to his prophet and speak to the world concerning himself, concerning the restoration of his church and kingdom upon the earth, concerning the fact that Joseph Smith was his mighty prophet, that he had his priesthood and authority to bring forth the church out of obscurity, out of darkness, out of 2,000 years of apostasy. We started counting in section 41. We're now today at 81 through 83. And so in the we, we haven't counted yet sections 1 through 41, but from sections 41 through 83, Jesus Christ himself personally has testified that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is his church more than 71 times. That's a conservative estimate. That was just written down by me one time, just casually reading through, looking at some of the scriptures that maybe we want to share together but without even directly looking for these references. I'm sure I have missed a lot, but at least minimally, 71 different times just in section 41. As Jesus Christ declared that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is his true church. He has testified since section 41 27 times that the prophet Joseph Smith was his prophet, that Joseph Smith was his servant, and that Joseph Smith had his priesthood and power and authority to bring forth his kingdom upon the earth. Clearly, the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is trying to teach the world something, right? If he has to repeat the same thing 71 different times just in section 41. Keep in mind, prior to that, every lesson we had all year long, he has continued to bear that same testimony, that same witness in all of these lessons that we've been having. The number would be far greater than 71 if we were to go through and count sections 1 through 41 as well. I add my testimony, if I can be humble enough to declare it, to that by God himself, that these things are true, that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is God's true church upon the earth. It is the most doctr biblically, doctrinal, theological true church. It's the only church that teaches the Bible from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation chapter 20. No other church does that. Other churches, they take a piece here, a scripture there, and they form a church based on one or two teachings. They don't teach the full biblical truth. The only church that teaches the full Bible is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We've continued to see that over and over again. We're coming, we're halfway through the this year, 2021. We're soon going into 2022, in which we will look all year at the Old Testament. And then in the following year, in 2023, we'll look the whole year at the New Testament. And we will continue to see that for two straight years. We've already seen it through the Book of Mormon last year. We've seen that this year in the Doctrine and Covenants. And for the next two years, we'll continue to see that the, as, as, that the Church of Jesus Christ, I say, is the only church that teaches the Bible, starting with Genesis 1-1, all the way through Revelation chapter 20. We don't take things out of context. We don't pick one scripture here, one scripture there and form a church. 
We teach the whole biblical truth, the whole truth of God. We then have the Book of Mormon that then proves that the things in the Bible are indeed true. We then have the Doctrine and Covenants, the Third Testament, proving that the Book of Mormon and the Bible are true and are the words of God. Let's look now at section 81 through 83. Now, these are be quick sections this week. and uh, uh, But yet there's some very great important principles. Here in section 81, this was a revelation originally given to this uh, uh, Jesse, uh, I don't know if we pronounce Gauss or Gaussy, uh, but this uh, Jesse Gauss, the G-A-U-S-E, he's called to be a counselor to the prophet Joseph Smith. But he failed. He failed in his commitments to God and his commitments to the Lord. And so therefore the Lord had to remove him and appoint Frederick G. Williams as Joseph Smith's counselor. And then we're told that the same principles that were in this revelation originally given to Jesse are also just 100% applicable also to Frederick G. Williams. They are also applicable to anybody, male or female, that is called to any calling within the church. And so that's why they have it here, and that's the lesson we learn here, that you could replace the name of Jesse and put Frederick G. Williams there, or you could put yourself there, and this revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ that the teachings here would be applicable to everyone. Let's look at 81. Verily, in verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto my servant, Frederick G. Williams. And God says that about you. I, you know, verily, verily, I say unto you, my servant, Sarah, or, or Bethany, or Lisa, or uh, Thomas, or uh, Jason, or Chris, right? Verily I say unto you, my servants, listen to the voice of him who speaketh to the word of the Lord your God, and hearken to the calling wherewith you are called. When he calls you, you, you are to hearken to it and do your best in that uh, calling to fulfill it. Even to be a, in this particular case, to be a high priest in my church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So again, Jesus Christ testified that the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is his church. It's the only church in which he has ever declared to be his church, that his own name is upon it, and that he declares over and over is his church. And a counselor unto my servant, my prophet, Joseph Smith, Jr. So once again, declaring the church is his and Joseph Smith is his servant. Unto whom I have given the keys of the kingdom. So Joseph Smith has the keys of the kingdom, which belong always unto the presidency of the high priesthood. Therefore, verily, I acknowledge him. I acknowledge him and will bless him. He acknowledges his prophets, for they speak on behalf and for him. So as a man speaks on behalf of Jesus Christ as his prophet, as his messenger, as his apostle, as his disciple, he will also acknowledge them and bless them. This goes right back to Matthew chapter 10, right? He that confesses me, Jesus Christ, before man, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. He acknowledges those who acknowledge him, but he who does not acknowledge me before man or denies me before man, him will I deny 
before my Father in heaven. So it's a very important concept there. And I will bless him and also thee, inasmuch as thou art faithful in counsel and the office where I've appointed you. So he will bless all of us as we faithfully fulfill in the callings that we're called to serve in within the church. In prayer always, we're commanded to pray always, and that you don't faint in the scriptures, you know, pray always. Vocally and in thy heart. He wants to hear your voice and hear your heart. A lot of people today only pray in your heart, and you don't pray vocally. So you should have a, a place set apart, some place where you can uh, kneel down and talk out loud to your Heavenly Father. In public and in private. Also in thy ministry and proclaiming the gospel in the land of the living and among thy brethren. Now that's interesting, right? Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's how revelation comes about. What is he doing here? They've yet to receive the revelation concerning the work for the dead, the proclamation of the gospel to those who are dead in the spirit world awaiting the resurrection. Uh, we're going to get that later on in later sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. So, but he's starting to lay that foundation. Look, I, I'm asking you to proclaim the gospel in the land of the living. That should start to start the, to turn the light bulb in, uh, on in your mind. Think it well, land of the living. What does that mean? And is there a land of the dead? And can you preach the gospel to the dead? Yes, indeed. That's why we have baptism for the dead to those who receive the gospel in the land of the dead in the spirit world. And then that by baptism, by proxy, they're then able to accept the ordinances of the gospel. And in doing these things, thou wilt do the greatest good unto thy fellow beings. The greatest thing we can do is preach the gospel. We're taught in the church, you know, to serve your neighbor and to bring, you know, cookies to them and, you know, all these kinds of things. Those are nice. Those begin to show a spirit of love, spirit of Christ-like service, you know. but but the greatest good is actually in preaching the word, to preach the word to your neighbors, you know, preach the gospel to your neighbors. And he says here that that's the greatest good. And then he says, and well, promote the glory of him who is your Lord. You can't promote the glory of the Lord unless you tell people about the Lord. Wherefore, be faithful, stand in the office or calling which I have appointed you, succor the weak, lift up the hands which hang down, and strengthen the feeble needs. This is pure religion in James to, you know, uh, visit the widows and the uh, those who are afflicted, those who are sick. You know, that's the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And if thou art faithful unto the end, thou shalt have a crown of immortality and eternal life and the mansions which I have prepared in the house of my father, greatest gift that God can give eternal life, as he said in one of the first sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. Behold and lo, these are the words of Alpha and Omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, even Jesus Christ, amen. So what a glorious section. We learned a lot of great principles there. And hopefully we can retain them in our minds and in our hearts and learn how important our callings are in the church and how God wants to bless you and bless those who honor him. Now we move to section 82. And now this is a, a, during the time in which Joseph Smith now is 
being sustained as president of the high priesthood. He had been previously ordained to be so, and now he's being sustained as such. Let's look at verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, my servants, Joseph Smith is his servant, that inasmuch as you have forgiven one among one another your trespasses, even so I, the Lord, will forgive you. That's always been his stipulation, his requirement, right? I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive, but if you, it is required to forgive all men. If you want to receive forgiveness of God, you have to learn to forgive one another. If you learn to forgive one another, that your heavenly Father will forgive you. What a beautiful concept. What a beautiful concept of love and of, of bringing the spirit of Christ throughout the world. If we were all to do, learn to forgive one another, uh, then, you know, he will forgive us. And well, the spirit will abound mightily upon us, right? One of the major reasons people get divorced or get in fights because of a failure to forgive one another. They failed to learn to love and forgive one another. If they can learn to forgive one another, there'll be no more contention among the land, right? Nevertheless, there are those among you who have sinned exceedingly. Yea, even all of you have sinned. But verily I say unto you, beware from henceforth and refrain from sin, lest sore judgments fall upon your head. So, here it is, you've all sinned. As Paul said, you've you know, you've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none good, no, not one. Uh, Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God, right? You know, people often uh, say, you know, uh, those who were trying to convince themselves there's no God, those who want to who try to become and fool themselves into trying to become an atheist. Uh, one of their uh, excuses, they you know say, well, why does God allow uh, bad things to happen to good people? Well, where do they get that concept that people are good, right? The natural man is an enemy to God, right? You're born as a natural man. You're born as an you're an enemy to God. The scriptures are very clear. There's none that are righteous. Yea, not even one. Jesus Christ. You know why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. Mankind are not good. The Bible teaches we are not good. Here the Dr. Kevin is teaching the same thing. We've all sinned. None of us are good. We live in a fallen world. Therefore, bad things happen in a fallen, sinful uh, world. You know, it's not God doing the things to us. It's the, the nature in the, of the world in which we uh, live. And the fact that none of us are, are righteous. None of us are good. And when we begin to learn to acknowledge our own sinfulness, before God, to plead to him for mercy, for forgiveness, to for the strength and, and uh, to be able to grow and progress in our Christian walk, to become more like Christ, then we can start to become more Christ-like, more good. We still will not be good while we live here, here in mortality. Uh, you know, none of us will become perfect uh, here in mortality. We've been taught by the prophets this is going to take a lot of time when we die also. We just want to make sure that in this life we're on the right path, progressing each day step by step towards that ultimate goal, uh, which will only take place in the next life when we become good, when we become truly righteous in, in these sort of uh, uh, holy ideals. You call upon my name for revelations that I give them unto you. What a marvelous promise there, right? 
That is, you ask for revelation, God will give you revelations. That's what he's saying here to the prophet. You ask for revelations, I give you revelations. And in as much as you keep not my sayings, which I give unto you, you become transgressors. Be careful what you ask for. If you receive revelation to do certain things in your life, you need to go forward and do them, right? Or you become transgressor, he says here. And justice and judgment are the penalty of a just God affixed unto my law. The, the justice of God means you should be punished for your sins. God loves you. He doesn't want to punish you. But you punish yourself, bring about punishment from a just and holy God as you sin. But that's when Jesus Christ stepped in and said, I will bear the punishment for the, for their sins, take upon myself Jesus Christ, so that Jesus Christ then suffered the wrath of a holy and just God through his crucifixion and suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane upon a cross covering, taking our sins upon him, the penalty of our sins upon himself, so that then we have the opportunity to repent, not receive these just punishments upon ourselves, because Jesus Christ already paid the price for those. So what a wonderful thing. We need to always stand in holy um, adoration and uh, holy thankfulness uh, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who cru was crucified uh, for our sins. Therefore, in verse 5, what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch. For the adversary spreadeth his dominions, and darkness reigneth. Sounds like uh, uh, Peter in uh, 1 Peter 5, uh, uh, chapter 5, right? That the devil is a roaring lion, goes about looking for whom he can devour. Therefore, uh, let's see. And verse 6, and the anger of God kindleth against the inhabitants of the earth, and none doeth good. We were just talking about that a minute ago. None, none doeth good. For all have gone out of the way. None of us are good. Therefore, this uh, ridiculous argument by those who try to pretend that they're atheists, it, 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 you know, it's not a valid argument that why does God allow bad things to happen to good people. Here he's saying the same thing that Paul says and what Jesus says in the New Testament, that none are good. We're not good. <laughs> We're fallen man. We're not good, right? We're not good. So God does not allow bad things to happen to good people. It's just that none of us are good people. Again, this teaching, you know, being backed up by the doctrine and covenants, proving to the world that what the Bible says is true. Seven, and now, verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, will not lay any sin to your charge. Go your ways and sin no more, but unto the soul who sinneth shall the former sins return, saith the Lord your God. That's even, uh, that's even more powerful than what James said. Remember what James says is that if you, if you commit the least sin, you're guilty of breaking all the sin, you know, you're committing all the sins, right? And here he's saying, look, I forgive you, but if you go and sin, then I'm going to bring back all your former sins, you know, upon your head, right? You'd be guilty, you know. Uh, but unto that soul who sinneth shall the former sins return. And again, I say unto you, I give unto you a new commandment that may understand my will concerning you. In John uh, chapter 13, what, it was a new command given to you that you love one another. So for that uh, period of time, that was the commandment. Now he's saying, I'm going to get a new commandment even over that one. So the new commandment, love one another, which we know wasn't really new. It was given in Leviticus 
way back in the days of Moses, but it was new because the people had stopped abiding by that commandment. It stopped living by that law. So he had to introduce it as this love one another as, as though it's a new commandment, but it really wasn't a new commandment. And here he's saying a new command I give to you that you learn and, and my will concerning you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to know what you are to do in, in your lives and what plans he has for you. Therefore, a command I give to you that you come unto me through the spirit of revelation, through receiving patriarchal blessing, uh, fatherly uh, uh, priesthood blessings, priesthood blessings from other priesthood uh, leaders, uh, to to re receive that direction in your life, uh, that will uh, for you that God wants you to do. Why? In verse 9. Or in other words, I give unto you directions how you may act before me, that it may turn to you for your salvation, because he wants to save you. He wants to exalt you. He wants to bring you home into his presence. Therefore, it's a commandment. He wants you to learn his will for you. So by learning his will for you and for your life, and then going out and doing that and enduring to the end, then he can turn it for your salvation. I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. But when you do not what I say, you have no promise. So when he makes a promise to you, if you fulfill that promise, he is bound to fulfill it. It may come not at the time that you're expected. It may come later on in, in life. But that promise he has promised you, you will receive it. Okay, so now he goes on here about the, the affairs of the, uh, the bishopric to take care of the poor. And, uh, and so he's talking about here, and they should be bound together by covenant, the leaders of the church, uh, um, beginning the uh, beginnings of what would become the uh, temple endowment uh, that later on, right? Of, uh, of making covenants in holy places, covenants in the temple, covenants with God so that he is bound to fulfill his promises to you as you do what he says. So moving along here, and we, uh, in 16, behold, here is wisdom, and uh, also in me for your good. He says in 18, and all of this for the benefit of the church of the living God, calling the church of Jesus Christ the Latter-day Saints, the church of the living God, not a dead God, not a God who fails to uh, communicate with his leaders with the leaders of, of the churches. You have all these other churches out there trying to say, oh, revelation ceased with the Bible. Well, that just means that they have not in that particular church received revelation from God because God is not leading or guiding that church. It doesn't mean that revelation has ceased. It ceased for them. They're acknowledging the truth that God does not communicate with them. So what on earth do they think that they're doing going around pretending to preach in the name of Jesus Christ if Jesus Christ not even communicating with them to tell them what he wants them to teach. You have to receive revelation to become an ordained minister, to become an ordained pastor, uh, to become an ordained teacher. If you're not receiving revelation from God, you have nothing to communicate to the people. So therefore, you know, he's the living God. He is alive. He speaks. He speaks to his servants. The prophets, the apostles, the disciples, uh, the, uh, the other holy men uh, and women, uh, so that he can bring forth his word and his power uh, and his scripture unto mankind and bless them in their life.
says in uh, 19, he says, every man seeking the interest of his neighbor and doing all things with an eye single to the glory of God. We should always be focused on God and trying to please him, trying to live our way, our lives in the way that pleases him, always remembering the covenants we've made with him. Uh, it says here in uh, 21, and thou shalt, uh, and the soul that sins against this covenant and hardeneth his heart against it and shall be dealt with according to the laws of my church, the laws of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and shall be delivered over to the buffetings of Satan until the day of redemption. Sounds pretty horrible, but we looked at that last week in Dr. Cummins, section 76. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only church who teaches that all but the sons of perdition will be saved in a kingdom of glory. Now that means that from the beginning of the telestial kingdom all the way up through the celestial kingdom is a is a is a kingdom of salvation. It's a salvation. But what's going to happen is a lot of people uh, you know, don't live faithful and don't keep God's commandments and don't honor him here in this in this in this life, in this world. When they die, they'll go to spirit prison or to hell, the traditional hell of the Christian world, right? They will go to hell, to spirit prison, where they'll be delivered over this to this the buffetings of the of Satan until the day of redemption. But the good thing is there will be a day of redemption, all but for a few select people who become sons of perdition. But you don't even need to worry about that because the vast majority of mankind will never even qualify to even become a son of perdition. We'll talk about this at other points of time. But for you personally, those who are within the sound of my voice and are listening to me today, you will all be redeemed at some point of time and will be saved in a, in a, a kingdom of glory. And so what he's saying here is that, um, is this uh, one here. So, but you'll be delivered over to the buffetings of Satan until that day occurs. And, uh, and, and so what they will do is they will suffer uh, in hell, uh, you know, during the period of the millennium for over a thousand years as Jesus Christ comes back to the earth to reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, they will suffer in this spirit prison in hell under the buffetings of Satan. But after that 1,000-year period, uh, they will then be redeemed. They will be able to come out of hell into a kingdom of glory, starting with the telestial kingdom in which they will then be saved from the wrath of God. They will be saved and delivered from death, hell, the grave, from Satan, and receive administration of the Holy Ghost. They will be able to feel the Holy Ghost. They will have ministration of angels, angels coming to teach them and visit them, right? They'll be shut out from the Father's presence forever, but they live in a nice, glorious place that's very beautiful and is no longer hell. They're not subject to the devil any longer, but they've had to suffer under the buffetings of Satan for a period of time. 22, and now verily I say unto you, and this is wisdom, make unto yourself friends with the mammon of unrighteousness, and they will not destroy you. Even you make friends with the unrighteous, as you keep the covenants with God, if they turn against you, uh, they cannot hurt you. Even Joseph Smith, right, an ultimate, uh, uh, you know, vindication of God, right? 
Maybe they can beat you up a little bit. Maybe they can tar and feather you. Maybe they can even kill you, but they cannot kill your soul. You will be resurrected. You will be blessed by God. So therefore, that's what he's talking about. They cannot hurt you permanently and eternally. They may temporarily hurt you, but God will make up for that, you know, and they cannot hurt you permanently or eternally, right? 23, leave judgment alone with me for it is mine and I will repay. So don't take vengeance yourselves. Don't take revenge yourselves. You are to love your enemies, as Jesus said. Do good to those who persecute you, right? Uh, but leave the revenge and the judgment to God, and he promises he will repay. Again, it may not be immediate. It may not be in five years or 10 years. It may be a lifetime. may not even be in this life. may be in the world to come. But he has promised, and he is bound by that promise that he will repay. Your enemies who persecute you will suffer at some point in time. They are not getting away with anything. Peace be with you. My blessings continue with you. For even yet, the kingdom is yours. So as we, be, as we repent of our sins, come unto Jesus Christ, take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ, being baptized by those who hold the priesthood and the authority of, of God. We've seen many hundreds of times now, probably over the Book of Mormon uh, year and, and this year in the Dodd and Commons, probably hundreds of times now, that that priesthood authority is only held by those who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and is not held in any other church upon the earth. I did not say that. That is not Dr. Harrison saying that. That is Jesus Christ himself saying it. We've looked at many scriptures all through the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants of Jesus Christ personally declaring that truth. And as you become a baptized member of his church, you join his kingdom as a Latter-day Saint. So you become a Christian when you're baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. The Heavenly Father then gives you a new name, that of a Latter-day Saint, invites you into Jesus Christ's kingdom upon the earth. His kingdom upon the earth is the church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You join the kingdom or the church in this life, then ultimately in the future, the church will then join with the church of the firstborn or the city, the church of Enoch. We become one church together of the uh, true uh, saints of God. And he says here, and, uh, and the kingdom is yours and shall be forever as you then join the heavenly kingdom as the church joins the heavenly kingdom, the heavenly church, the kingdom on the earth, the church be joining the heavenly church or kingdom, then, you know, be your kingdom forever. And what a great blessing that is. We've seen that God himself has declared that that is the greatest blessing that he can give to the world and give to people individually and collectively. I testify of these things, that these things indeed are true. They bring joy and happiness and give you a reason for hope, the hope, to have hope in life. There's so much discouraging things going on in the world uh, today, but you know you can have hope of a much more glorious future. Those of you who are not yet members of the Church of Jesus Christ, join. What's preventing you? Why continue to resist? Receiving God's blessings. He desires to bless you 
with peace and joy and happiness in this life, despite the trials and the persecutions and, and any other horrible ordeals or things going on in the economy or the things in the world and any kind of uh, sicknesses or illnesses, you can, during uh, even in the midst of all of that, you can have joy and peace and happiness. You can set yourselves on the straight and narrow path that leads back to our Heavenly Father's presence where you will one day have the fullness of joy. As they say in the book of Revelation, that there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, for all those things will have already been done away with, and you'll have a complete joy, complete happiness, and no more tears. I testify of those realities. Those things are true. Many prophets have seen those things for themselves. They've testified of those things. I myself add my testimony to those prophets of old and testify that these things are true. These things are real. God has what the eye hath not seen, nor the ear hath heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the wonderful things God has prepared for those who love him and those who keep him and his commandments and choose to honor him. All those blessings can be yours. You just have to make a commitment that you want to receive them into your life. For those of you who have fallen into inactivity in the church, slowly drifted away. Most of you didn't just one day go inactive, right? It's just slow drifting away. That's how Satan works in our lives to drift us away, slowly drifting away from full activity in the church. Come back. Come back. You know how happy you were before? Come back into full joy, joy in the, with the saints of God. You know, we're starting to reopen the churches and people are coming back now, you know, throughout the world now as, uh, as this uh, virus is getting under control. Come back and become part of the saints of God again and enjoy the fellowship with those who have your, who hold your same uh, uh, moral uh, standards uh, that worship the same Lord and God and that can help support each other. You know, it's a marvelous thing to be together with the saints of God. I testify to you, these things are true. The church has been restored as Jesus Christ continues to declare that testimony. I add my testimony to that of his and all the prophets uh, before that these things are indeed true. I love all of you. I pray for you every day. If there's anything that uh, uh, we can uh, pray for you, that specifically just send us a message. We love to pray for you. We love to hear the messages come back to us about how God is blessing you in your lives. Until next time, we leave these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.